Welcome back to the Play On Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Stavros. Today we will be speaking with Sam Ashdown and Larry Bull. Sam and Larry have spent the last three years working together in the Henry IV Part One and Two, uh, and this year they're both in Henry V. This is Sam Ashdown's third season with the Utah Shakespeare Festival. He's best known for his portrayal of Prince Hal or Prince Henry in Henry IV Parts One and Two. He's also appeared as John Willoughby in Sense and Sensibility, the King of France in King Lear, and Lucentio in Taming of the Shrew. Sam's a professional stage and film actor who works all throughout the United States. He has a Master of Fine Arts in Acting from the University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign, and a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Theater Performance from Southern Oregon University. Larry Bull has appeared on Broadway in The Coast of Utopia at Lincoln Center, Off-Broadway in Nora at Cherry Lane, Rocket to the Moon at Peccadillo Theater, Kenneth, What is the Frequency at the 78th Street Theater Lab. He's also appeared in Law & Order SVU and Madam Secretary. And for the past four years, he shared his talents with the Utah Shakespeare Festival. His roles at the festival include King Henry IV and Henry IV Part I and II, the same character but different name, Henry Bolingbroke in Richard II, Kent in King Lear, Van Sweeten in Amadeus, Sir John Middleton in Sense and Sensibility, Juror Number 1 in Twelve Angry Men, and Lord Astor in Peter and the Starcatcher. Gentlemen, thank you for being here on the Play On podcast. Yeah, my thank pleasure. Uh, it's an exciting, you know, sort of seeing this chapter of the history cycle, the Henriad, sort of come to a very grand and dramatic uh, interlude. Uh, it's been really exciting from an audience perspective, and we're excited to visit with you today about your, uh, your time as father and son. Uh, in the Henry stories. Um, Sam, you've been, or actually, Larry, let's start with you. Larry, you've been with this uh, story from the beginning, essentially, from Richard II, you started as Bolingbroke. Uh, talk about how much, talk about sort of what your journey has been as an actor looking at this this role, this Bill Bolingbroke becoming Henry IV through four, through three and a half to four plays, depending on how you. Uh, think about and talk about it. Yeah, it's fascinating to explore a character for that many series. It's um, that many, um, that entire series of shows and uh, and individual sections of the story. Um, it's a fascinating character. And I think it's interesting too, uh, the way that he comes into power and the way that Henry V comes into power. And that's something I'm noticing. That's something I'm paying attention to a lot in, uh, in Henry V. Uh, is the development of this this idea of usurpation um, and the plagues that it creates, moving into by the end of Henry V a sense of peaceful acquisition, albeit the war at uh, the war and the battle at Agincourt, but at the end the end is is a peaceful one and it looks forward to peace um, in a way that I think is telling about what Shakespeare was trying to do with these, with this story over this period of time. Um, so it's been fascinating to, to be a part of it, and especially fascinating now to, to be on stage watching so much of Henry V, and having the light, and, and just listening over and over to the language, and seeing the play of the characters, and watching what happens to these characters, and being this, um, this sort of, Supernatural voyeur, I guess, in a weird way. Do you leave? Is there any time that you're? I leave as um, I, I leave to go get ready for Harfleur for the governor of Harfleur. Right. And then I'm briefly backstage uh, at intermission, but also before um, Burgundy, Duke of Burgundy. <clears throat> I get to ride the slip out. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but you're on stage the more than anyone else by far. Yeah. Yeah. So knowing 
I have sort of a political question then for you related to the character. You, you talk about, we know, you know that Bolingbroke was the cousin of Richard II, and essentially Richard was seen as, by Bolingbroke particularly, as an ineffectual king, and thus made a claim for the throne. Was the claim, leg I mean, for you, Larry Bull, the actor, or having played the character for a long time, how legitimate was his claim? I think it was, a, it was as legitimate as it needed to be in order to, uh, in order to make it happen. Um, yes, I think it, no, let me backtrack. I don't think the usurpation was legitimate. The reclaiming of the lands, the sure. legal claim to all that God had left him, the, the entirety of the estate, which was huge, I think that was legitimate. The moment of taking the crown is, is such a catalyst, it sets so much in motion. Uh, and Shakespeare brings it, you know, right up to the moment where before Hal goes into battle, when he's talking about the chantries and the dedication he's going to give shows the love that he had for Richard II. Um, it's brilliant. It's just brilliant storytelling. What his father has done. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, and and you know, you said it. It's it it sets up so much action that you can really trace all of the at the root of all the story of this this these fights and. The Henriette and all of the coming in the War of the Roses can all really be traced back yeah. to this disagreement between two cousins. Yeah, yeah, early on. yeah, and uh, well, yeah, Richard and uh, and, and Bolingbroke. Bolingbroke. Yeah, um, yeah, a domino effect, a huge domino effect that just gets more and more complicated, and then. Mm -hmm. And there's also a sense too, which I love at the end, that the story goes on, you know. Yeah. We've come from the past. The past is talked about. We're living richly in it. We're, we're acting out of it. And then at the end, he tells us that the story goes on, by the way. This is not the end. This is a chapter. And I think that's amazing. Taking that idea of chapter and looking at the past end and going forward, Sam, you've had a, a, an equally unique opportunity to play in succession Prince Hal in both versions of Henry IV and then now the culmination, Henry V. Uh, looking at the past and thinking about your, you know, your character's arrival here as the king, what's that been like for you um, process-wise as an actor to look, at, to look at that character over three shows like this? It's been an amazing experience. We've talked about this before. I think that the, um, the chance to grow up alongside a character over the course of three years is an incredible, unique opportunity. Um, because even when, when you're, you're in rehearsals, you're working on the show, and you're really present to that, to the cast, and to, to the scene, but there's huge chunks of time where you're uh, not in rehearsals, but that you're keeping the character with you, mm -hmm. and it feels to me like the character's, like Hal's in the room alongside you as you're growing up through life. So it's been amazing to have um, him in the room with me for three years and be able to stay at work on that. Yeah. I told Brian, I said, I want to do him again now. Yeah, now to, can we just start? From, yeah, start do, back over. And yeah, and do him like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, <laughs> Saturday. Um, oh, man. I would love that. I would too. I would do it in a heartbeat. Do a Richard II production. Say, like, yeah. Start yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. I would love that. Something Sisyphusian about it. <laughs> <laughs> Groundhog Day. All yeah. That, which All is that old as new. Well, it's yeah. I, I, I reflect frequently on what a treat it's been as an audience member to see these shows 
as a single piece. As I mean, I've I, I talk about it occasionally in orientation that we are attuned in a modern as modern audiences to follow. You know that we binge watch television on Netflix and we follow right. the epic nature of trilogies and such. Uh, in the movies are being made this way, and it just feels like such a natural approach to Shakespeare. And I don't know why more companies don't do it. Sequentially, uh -huh. the way it's being done here, I don't either. The other thing, too, about doing them in separate seasons is it allows the luxury for a fuller production. If one were to try to do them in one season, it's possible they'd be cut more, yeah. you know, they'd be yeah. right, you can, can compounded. Um, I feel like there's this fear of the history plays and that they aren't exciting and that they aren't interesting. Um, and I, was, I had to talk back this morning with the, the uh, junior actors and we, I said I think the history plays are my favorite plays of Shakespeare um, because the stakes are huge, but there's, especially the Henrys, seem so people-oriented mm -hmm. and so domestic, family-oriented. Um, it's, it's about two kingdoms, but it's also about fathers and sons, and it's also about um, wooing a, a, a woman. It's, it's huge and intimate at the same time. Yeah, yeah it's deeply personal. Yeah. For, you know, the story that's told is a, a, story, a human story every inch of the way. Uh, against a gigantic background of yeah, exactly. war and huge struggles and kingdoms and yeah. Well, it just came to me that you know, as in the last two plays, Larry, you've been on stage as Henry in in the sort of geopolitical side of things. Occasionally, obviously, having interactions with your sons, but you didn't necessarily experience what Hal did with uh, his friends at the Boar's Head. And now you get you're on stage for those transitional scenes and the scenes of you know, the quickly like yeah, yeah what's what's it like watching having not really experienced but listening to in rehearsal but now watching uh, Pistol Leave for War and the boys' journey what it did was did to it me, you know he he brings us these characters that he, these hard scrabble runabout drunkards and we get the opinion of a king who says these people are trash, you know? And eventually, Hal removes himself from these people, and the people suffer because of it. And these are people that we learn in Henry V give their lives. They dedicate their lives and give them for this king. And that's a very touching thing to see. We learn, we, we meet these characters, we get to know them, we get to love them, and then we hear them and see them die at the hands of a, of a war. And um, it's such a huge question. It's such a, it's such a, it's such, it's very stirring. Sure. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, and there is an element of, uh, yeah, of, of, of Henry Ford being able to see these people and get to know them and get to mourn them. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that I like about this play in particular is you get to sort of see the strata of experience with war, that you get to see it at mm -hmm. the, 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 the monarchical, the, the geopolitical level, and you get to see the people who profit from it uh, successfully or unsuccessfully or try to profit from it. Yeah. And you get to see someone like the boy who's just terrified right. at the future and doesn't know what's happening. And it's being pulled being, into yeah, it. Being pulled yeah, pulled into along. it. Uh, and yet he's the wisest one of the bunch, yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, he's the one who knows what's up, who gets it, who is learning. Who is learning, I think, in many ways, 
uh, Siri and I were talking about this last week. I, I said, you're kind of like a mini Hal. And she said, yeah, the boy is kind of like a mini <laughs> Hal. He's, he's going through, you know, he's attempting to become, I think, the same thing in a way, which is yeah. a full-grown man with rationale and, and sound judgment. Well, and looking at two sides of a, either a group of people or just, I mean, that his first, sort of first major speech is like, I know what these people are. It harkens so closely to Hal's speech from part from part one that, you know, right, that right. I know what's happening here and I like, I well, you know, I'll leave. It's, the, I hadn't really ex thought about the duality so close, but that's really interesting. Speaking of uh, boy, Sam, coming back, you just mentioned I'd be interested, to, I think our listeners would be interested to hear, um, you just finished a talk back with middle school students, Shakespeare for Junior Actors. What was sort of their reaction to, how, what was the conversation like this morning? What kind of questions were they asking you? What were you talking about with, specific to the play? I mean, I'm sure there were lots of actory questions too, but. Yeah. Did, did they, what, what was their sort of response to the, to the, to the show? We talked about a lot of different things. They, um, they were really interested at, uh, in what my experience has been doing each of these plays and which my favorite play was and which scenes were my favorite scenes. Interesting. Out of the three and also just in Henry. Um, a lot of them had seen you know, uh, all three of these plays and had been following it. Um, and had their own take on on the the journey and the arc. Um, yeah, one of the questions was, is it hard to enter Henry's world each night? Is how different is that? Uh -huh. And we had I, I, it was an interesting talk about in some ways just doing the play uh, Henry Five uh, brings out certain things in the character that are very usable. Sure, um, Henry's very isolated. He's talking. He has only one scene, and it's at the end of the play with Catherine, really, between two people. He talks to uh -huh. you know, Bates and Williams around the fire briefly, but most of it is he's very isolated. So we were talking about this idea of the play giving you a lot that you can use in the play. You know, Doing the play gives you, for example, in Agincourt, I'm exhausted. By Agincourt, I am wiped out, and that's very usable in the play. It gives you yeah. that, so you can just be exhausted. Yeah. 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 <laughs> have you tried acting, dear boy? Yeah, yeah. right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but you have no choice. No, you right. have to do all of these scenes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Go and it's tiring. Out. Exactly. Uh, that's brilliant. I never thought about that. I remember uh, in, when we were doing Richard III back in 94 and Gary Armagnac talking about how he said, you know, there's a reason why there's this scene before we see Henry, before we see Richard again. It's because he has to, he just fought a battle. And, you know, and, uh, and he, you know, there has, you need time for a costume change. Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, a, right. a, a sip of water and a, a, sip of a, water. a breath. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the, the, the battles, the, you know, I think, you know, there's some good battle sequences in four part one and four part two feels a little more like a geopolitical thriller this than an action movie. Yeah. But five, you know, it, call, it all comes back in five. Um, what, uh, talk about the process in, um, how you work on, you know, how you apply character to these fight sequences, these battle scenes, whether as an ensemble with the fight director or with Brian, the director, how much conversation do you have as you creating these battle sequences? Are you talking about character and the, the, the sort of root of what you're doing on stage or, or do you? There's not a lot of fights, for me at least, in Henry V. I mean, Henry IV Part One has a much bigger fight. The Hal Hotspur fight is yeah. long and, and huge, and there's, a, you know, there's a, a build to that moment. It's sort of interesting that in Henry V, it seems to be about war and not the actual battle itself. It's not 
really shown partly because of what the chorus says at the beginning yeah, how we can can't, you show we can't this? show it all we can't show these horses you know the mud the um so it's implied around it the for the henry four part one the hal hotspur fight we talked a lot though about what that fight was um and our interpretation of it and it was interesting uh uh steve voytage the guy who's playing hotspur brian and i were all talking about that this is really a coin toss um, in that moment of who's going to win. Um, Hotspur is the better soldier. Hal has a lot of belief and hope inside of himself of what he's going to become, but you really don't know. Yeah, it you could really, go either way. It really could go either way. And I remember even saying that it really could be that the rest of these plays follow Hotspur and his journey and him having to learn the other side of the coin because Hal adopts a lot of elements of the people around him as he grows up through the sure. plays. He absorbs Falstaff, he absorbs his father, he absorbs Hotspur, and he uses that. And so you see this very full, contradictory character by the time he's Henry V yeah. and he's the king. And I imagine that could happen with Hotspur too. Yeah. I don't know if it would be the same, I don't know how receptive Hotspur would be to new, to absorbing, but that it really is, that's the coin toss that launches it. So we were, we, I had this idea that that battle, that that fight was exhausting and gets, it really is just a fluke at the yeah. end that luck that, um, that, that how wins. And that sort of, and that comes back in Agincourt too, this sense of not necessarily deserving it based on strength, not deserving it based on your power, but feeling that for some reason, history and luck and God is on your side and is helping you win and helping this move this story along. Which, depending on which side of a, you know which side of a battle you're on, can be, I guess, good or bad. Right. And um, I think this play addresses that too. Yeah. I think it's really about that you really do look at the other side and you read the names of the people. We the are nobles. as acquainted with the French at battle as we are with the English. At which, battle. yeah, Maybe even more so. Which, right. We get to know these horse lovers. Exactly. <laughs> well, and it's it's, it's I, I think. That was the next. That was my next question. Was is that I think Brian's highlighted in an in an interesting way with Montjoy, the sort of the two sides of the French camp that that and their arrogance. You know, that there's a lesson in hubris here certainly, but that that even that stereotypical the French the bad guys in the, as Shakespeare was writing it. There's some depths and there's some uh, striation to it. Uh, how is that? You know, the, how has that affected? How's Brian's approach to Montjoy and the French, and just sort of setting that up? How did that? How was that in rehearsal? In terms of was it was it a conversation, or was it like was it very clear from the beginning that this is what he wanted to do, or did it evolve? We definitely track the Montjoy Henry arc and where those uh, where those scenes go, where where we start and where we end. And I love I love that track in the play um, because. She, her coming in, she sees very different sides of Henry. She mm -hmm. sort of sees the full arc of who he is from the tennis ball speech to when they're being, when they uh, are being uh, hounded by the French as they march across the country and are exhausted and outnumbered and sick and losing heart. She sees him at his lowest. She sees him right before the battle and then she sees him after the battle. And so she gets this full picture. So tracking that with Kelly, the actress mm -hmm. who plays Montjoy, has been great. And there's this wonderful moment too, where he stops and says, "What is your name?" <laughs> you know, it's like, they, like he wants yeah. to know who she is yeah. uh, underneath this role that she has to play uh, for the French. And I, I love that moment of who are you? You know, you're uh, that, 
thou dost thy office fairly. You know, this compliment, this, this humanizing the other side. It's really important for Henry to, that he's going to lead the French and that someday they will be uh, his country as well. So he does not want to alienate them and hate them. There's a great line yeah. in the last scene where uh, Catherine says, is it possible that I should love the enemy of France? And Henry says, no, it is not possible you should love the enemy of France. But in loving me, you should love the friend of France. And I think that's really what he's hoping for, yeah. is to absorb France um, forcefully, but not <laughs> not yeah. by destroying them. Yeah, but it's taking a long view with it. Not not a people to be subjugated, but a, a people to be ruled and joined. With yeah. That, that he's... And if attention had been paid earlier, all of this battle could have been saved. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. We yeah. claim this. Step aside. All right. And, and yeah, and Henry is uh, follows through with Bardolph. I mean, Bardolph is stealing from the French, steals from a French church and pays the price for it. And Henry doesn't say, well, the English are more valuable yeah. than the French. He values them, even at his lowest. I mean, it's a pretty incredible thing that he's doing that really happened in history, too, yeah. where he hung one of his own soldiers um, who was stealing. Um, but I, I think it comes from valuing the other side and humanizing the other side and knowing that one day he hopes to lead them and that they will follow him and love him, uh, which is a pretty bold hope. There's so many reflections of that, too. I love the speech between Flewellen and, um, and uh, oh, crap, I'm forgetting Brandon Burke's character's name. Gower? Gower. When they're talking about how magnanimous the king is and how good, and he never killed any of his friends. And, you know, we've seen one of his friends... Uh, you know, fall to the war, you know, mm -hmm. right. die as a right. result of complications in war, in wartime. And, uh, and how that resonates, and, and, the, and bringing up John Falstaff as well in that moment. It resonates in that scene, in the scene that Hen Henry's not even in. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's, it's great to see these little refractions um, all throughout the play. I never tracked that. that. Yeah, that uh, he never killed any of his, his friends. Yeah. He did. Yeah. At least one. After, the, after this huge conversation, oh no, that's coming up, right? No, it, it's already happened. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the conversation about what does this, what does it mean uh, to bring people into battle and where's the responsibility and, you know, right, for yeah. the soul and, uh, it's, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we're, you know, as we record this, we're midway through the season as we wrap up the conversation today. Thank you both very much. Uh, I mean, I have, I have to ask, are you, and, are you mel are you feeling a little melancholy about stepping away from these characters after three years? I mean, are, are you are you thinking about it at all yet? With so much left to do in terms of you know we play through the end of August and a week into September, but has it started to uh, has it started to enter your mind that you'll be walking away from characters you spent so much time and so much energy with? It's already happened for me. Yeah, uh, the character I played three shows in a row is you know is gone, and this is something else. It I think it has. Um, I guess that's true. That there's, there's shades of shades, Henry. Exactly perception, um, but for me, it's a completely different experience uh, in in a lot of ways. There's there's moments there's moments of transparency and resonance throughout, but for the most part, it's it's unlike playing uh, Henry IV. Um, but I agree with Sam. I would do this in rep. It feels <laughs> I, I feel like I could do this all four of these plays in rep for years. Me too. And and never plumb the depths. Yeah, uh, and never figure be able to properly figure out what it is uh, to do. Uh, you know how to how to make mm -hmm. it. Um, 
as good as it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I I feel the same way. Um, I mean, I am aware of that, and I am. It, it's I've taken it for granted the fact that you have this person in the room and know that you're growing up alongside them. I would absolutely, yeah, right. uh, you know, do start them again right right now. Someone <laughs> someone wanted to. <laughs> right? um, Brian said something right uh, before we opened. He said, uh, "Don't miss a chance. Don't miss a chance to do this play, to be present to this play, doing it now." And he was saying it to the whole cast, the, the ensemble. Of it's such a beautiful play. It's so exciting and it's so full of contradictions and ambiguity. Um, and I do think that there's just depths to it that you can never, you'll never find the bottom of. So I, I, right now, that's where my head's at is just trying to be present to it uh -huh. <laughs> right now. Yeah. But I do, I do, uh, I will definitely miss it. Well, I think that's a perfect note to end on. Don't, don't miss a chance to see this play. <laughs> Sam and Larry, thank you so much for your time today. And we can't wait to see you uh, in your roles here this summer. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Play On Podcast. Be sure to go back and listen to past interviews on the festival webpage, bard.org. Check out the latest episode released every Friday with your favorite directors, actors, and designers from our 2016 season. Mm -hmm.